Good morning, church. So you may have heard Chris mention it in his prayer, but today is the first Sunday of Highlands Baptist Church in Melissa, Texas. And we have 24 of our families that have gone on mission to Melissa to help launch that church. Really big deal. We're super excited about what God's doing there. And that's really vision growth for us moving forward. We want to multiply. We believe God wants you to share Jesus with your neighbors. And we believe God wants us to help start new churches. And so that's, we're really excited about what's happening there. Something also cool happened this week. Our missions pastor, actually that's taking Ryan's place on our team, had his first baby this is Michael and Kaylee's new baby Tuesday right there they're holding KJ yeah um, someone uh, asked me in a meeting earlier he said I, I bet Michael's pretty excited I said well Michael's not pretty but he's excited Kaylee's pretty yes uh, super cool that was Tuesday Wednesday I got to watch as I say watch he's in Virginia but my youngest brother had his second baby and so I was getting to watch this collision of people that I know and love getting to have a child and there was something in watching and maybe you've gotten to do this recently if not just the parental love right watching a father and a mother get to bring into their lives their own child like just so much love there so this is my brother this is his wife Allison with their older so actually I have three nephews which makes me Uncle Sam if you get mad at Uncle Sam that I am you can just get mad at your pastor and that that right there in their arms is their new baby whose name is August now get this not only was it fun for me to watch parental love played out and really picture after picture like our whole extended family is getting excited every time the phone buzzes because we're getting photo after photo from my brother so Allison uh, my husband uh, wife yeah my my brother's wife there we go her birthday was Sunday so just a few days after her birthday and y'all might remember something else was happening on Wednesday right what was Wednesday just y'all are saying both yes Valentine's Day which is the day that we talk about love getting to watch this loving relationship with their Valentine's Day it just so happens to also be their anniversary so they were married on Val like I'm thinking my brother doesn't have to remember anything the rest of his life it's like all set up for him right anniversary and then then what some of you said Wednesday was also Ash Wednesday Ash Wednesday and Ash Wednesday is kind of kicking off for many churches in the world the journey to the cross and a reminder for us in a very different way the incredible love that our heavenly father has for us not at the beginning of Jesus life we celebrate that at Christmas right but at the end of his life and not like in this like soft and gentle wonderful baby but in the graphic horrific really death that Jesus went through on the cross for me and for you and so all of these things were kind of happening at the same time on Wednesday something else was happening on Wednesday Chris mentioned uh, we were inviting the church into a time of prayer and fasting and let me tell you 
that for me as a pastor, I am a type A, like I want to get stuff done. I'm on the Enneagram, I'm a one, if y'all know what that means. A one wants to do the right thing all the time. But something happens in my life sometimes when there's something that I think I should do, I can enter into the season or to that action feeling like it's a burden for me. Feeling like this is something I've got to do. And playing my hand, walking into a time of fasting, even though God's used that in my life to bless me in deep ways, having this feeling of, ah, okay, I gotta do this. So that was Wednesday morning. During the time that I would have normally spent on what I'm fasting from, early Wednesday morning, I went and I opened a book. I've been, started, I've been reading with close friend, accountability partner for years, a book by, that Tim Keller released a year ago called Forgive. Anybody seen this book yet? Hands, no, some of you may have even opened it, read it, I don't know. This book, Forgive, I've been le- reading for a few months and I open it during that, this time really of kicking off a fast and God just starts speaking into my life. I'd already been preparing for the talk today uh, out of what I'm gonna show you is not a physical picture, but over the next few weeks, I believe in the series, Christ from the Cross, we're gonna get to see verbal pictures of God's love, the heavenly Father, his love for us. As we get to see through words, Jesus' love for us and the Father's love for us as he dies on the cross for us. And this week, the first words we'll read on the cross are, Father, forgive them. And I hadn't even thought about how these are gonna overlap. And it was like, whoa. Okay, so here we go, here we go. What Keller pointed out to me Wednesday morning that really spoke into what I want to show to you is there's these, in the Bible, seemingly conflicting themes there is the theme of a father who loves his children that is all over the bible this this loving god in the old testament and the new testament that is wanting what's best for you and i this is all over the Bible. And, and if, if, if you're a Christian here in the room, you've, you've probably on some level realized that there's a God out there who loves you and is, he's working for you. But there's also a theme in the Bible that, that for type A people that wanna get stuff done can sometimes really affect our life that is seemingly against us. And that is this theme of the law, the law. God has given us through the word of God, clear instructions on how to live because he loves us. But we at times decide not to obey. We decide to go our own way. I've done it, so have you. And in the Bible, this law ends up seeming to seemingly working against us. I'll show you a few places before we get to where we're gonna go this morning. This is Ezekiel, no, so not Ezekiel, Exodus. Let's start in Exodus. Exodus chapter 34, beautiful passage of scripture. Moses is, we just started reading the story of Moses in our Bible reading plan. If you're reading with us, you're gonna get to read these words in a few weeks. Moses asked God to show him his glory. And so God gives Moses not a visual picture of his glory, God gives Moses a verbal picture of his glory. Kind of what we're gonna get as we walk through this series, listening to the words from the cross. 
But when he shows Moses his glory, he said, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. Interesting, that word merciful in the Hebrew comes from the word womb. It's talking about a maternal love, mercy. This, this like a mom, God wants to be merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding and steadfast what's the word there love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity transgression and sin so so Moses has asked God to show him his glory and God shows Moses his love that he has for him and even we see in the passage the maternal the the parental love that God has in that word mercy but but wait God's showing Moses his glory and there's a but in his glory what but this God who will by no means clear the guilty who are the guilty those who disobey his law visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation what what happened to the parental loving relationship tension this is part of the glory of God but maybe for you as you read the Bible you, you really really struggle and I've been there before with this God who's not just parental loving but judicial judging those who disobey his law I mean the Old Testament is incredibly bloody have y'all ever looked recognized how many animals are having to be sacrificed over and over and over again to cover the sins of people who are rebelling against God's law in Ezekiel we read it this way Ezekiel put these words on the screen the soul who sins shall die that's not good news if you're like me recognizing you have disobeyed God's law and then in verse 33 verse 11 chapter a few chapters later he says I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked what <laughs> how do these there's a God in the Bible who in his wrath his anger against people who disobey who sin who choose to go their own way he, he he is going to judge people who've disobeyed his law how do we reconcile that with a God who loves us could it be that God could reconcile it for us if you have a Bible turn to Luke chapter 23 Luke chapter 23 if you've not turned there already we're going to start reading in verse 32 but before I do just catch you up on where we are Jesus has already completed really his ministry time here on earth as far as teaching people about the kingdom of heaven his disciples go with him to Jerusalem he was on his way to Jerusalem for like half of the gospels that we have because he knew why he had come we're going to be reading about what happened to him on 
Friday during these six hours that he hung on the cross. But before that time, like he hasn't slept since Wednesday night. Thursday, he was in the upper room with his disciples and he taught them a lot about love. We were there the last few weeks in our series talking about dating and marriage, teaching us about abiding in his love. After the upper room, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays sweating blood because of the agony of realizing what he was about to take on his life he's betrayed by one of his closest followers one of the 12 Judas the religious leaders accuse him of blasphemy claiming to be God they take him to the Roman rulers who find him innocent and in order to try to get him off the hook they beat him and they ridicule him so that hopefully they think maybe the Jews will feel sorry for him but then this mob cries crucify him crucify him they give him the cross he's already lost so much blood through the beating that he's not able to get it all the way to Calvary someone helps carry it verse 32 in order to honor God's word I want to invite you to stand Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. Coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. I'm going to invite you, if you're comfortable on your knees, to go there. If not, you can just sit down. Heavenly Father, I ask today, and not just today, but as we uh, approach Easter, that you'd help in this room for those who have not been able to see the cross and what you've done, that maybe they'd see for the first time what you've done. And then I want to also ask for those who have all their life maybe heard these stories or for years heard these stories that you would remind us in a graphic and real and powerful way what he's done what what Jesus has done for us would you take a moment just to ask God to to let you see the cross 
and that God would help me to be clear. Would you also pray this morning for Ryan as he teaches the good news of Jesus and, and Melissa? God, we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's walk through it and try to get to Jesus' words here. Two other criminals, and we'll talk about them next week, were led away to be put to death. If you have the NIV, the put to death there is to execute, to execute Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, the word there, skull, in Aramaic is... Golgotha in the Latin is Calvary the writers of the Gospels are clearly recording history not fantasy they tell times places give the names of people there they crucified him I won't go too long today on the graphic nature of crucifixion but people who study the way that humans executed other humans throughout the history of the world, many argue that this was one of, if not the most painful, graphic way for people to die. They would strip the person naked in humility, just complete humiliation. They would nail them, and again, Jesus has already been whipped and lost a lot of blood. They would then nail them to the cross in their wrists and in their feet. The, the nerve endings that they say go through your wrists and your ankles are the most concentrated places of your body for those nerve endings. I, I, uh, I talked to a man after the first service today who said he was a lifetime older man, lifetime uh, served our country in the military. He said he had gotten shot on four different occasions. He said one time he lost most of his jaw and teeth, another time leg, another time he caught grenade up near his eyes, shrapnel. He said once was the hand. And he said far and away, far and away, the pain in the hand was the most extreme. They would hang the person then on the cross that way and the person would then die from blood loss uh, through dehydration and or suffocation, not being able to pull up anymore or even really wanting to because of the excruciating pain. In fact, I use that word, the word that we have in our English language for the most severe pain, excruciating, actually comes from the word cross, excruciating. There they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said... As you study crucifixion, most of those who were crucified at the very beginning would curse those crucifying them and plead for either an immediate death for them to just get it over with or to get them off the cross. Then they would stop talking fairly soon because of the suffocation and the pain that would be involved in it. The Bible records for us seven different things that Jesus says on the cross, and we're going to get to see them. We're going to get to see them over the next seven weeks. 
Verse 34, and Jesus said. The word there said, and one more note here, is in the imperfect tense, which means in some of our translations actually will translate it this way. Jesus was saying, meaning he probably said this over and over. Father, forgive. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The words of Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive. All right, I'm going to try, try to help you see an aspect of what was taking place on the cross for you and I today. And over the next six weeks after today, we're going to look at the beauty through the graphic pain of what was taking place that day. Father, Father, last week our children were up front singing children's choir. We had a couple of different girls that quoted John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Father, the parental love, even on the cross, we see. That God loves us so much, not only does he love us like a child, but that he was willing to send his only son to die so that you and I could be with them, him, God, one, three person, forever. The love of God for us. But it doesn't stop there. Father, what's the word? Forgive. The word forgive, what is the word forgive? The word forgive literally means to release. To release from what? It's to release from, and when you forgive, you get to release your insides if you're forgiving someone else from bitterness, right? But God doesn't harbor bitterness, not like us. But to release from retribution or punishment that the other person deserves for doing something wrong. In other words, for disobeying the, what? Law. Father, forgive. These two seemingly conflicting themes show up together on the cross. Do you know what Jesus was doing for you? The judicial God that had to punish sin loves you so much that he came to be your substitute to take the sin for you. John Stott points out that for us, substitution plays a role in our sin and in our salvation. When we sin, we put our play, ourselves in the place of God. We substitute ourselves in God's place and we choose to live the way we want, not the way that God wants us to live. But in our salvation, God puts his son in our place. The wrath of God that is in the Old Testament, that as a just God, in order to be just, he must punish sin, that, that wrath of God 
he placed on his son for you and I. Jesus knew that it was coming. Matthew chapter 26, the night before, Jesus takes the bread and the cup. We were together celebrating, remembering what Jesus did on Ash Wednesday here in the room, the bread and the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews is clear, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, that blood sacrifice happened over and over and over again. Hebrews makes it clear that on the cross, once and for all, that blood sacrifice was made in a perfect way. The perfect man, God in the flesh, Jesus, so that he could truly extend forgiveness to you and I forever. I don't know for you uh, when you understood this, when you received this, maybe for you and your life when it became real for me. How growing up, Jesus was always a real figure. He was a historic figure in my life. I, I, I'll, I'll say, maybe you've heard me say this, he was kind of like Abraham Lincoln to me. I knew he had come and he was a good person. Uh, I knew that even he died to help people and you know, Abraham Lincoln eventually died and he was helping people. I mean, that wasn't a question for me. One day I lied to my parents. I mean, knew I was doing it, still did it, and afterwards didn't confess it to them. And all of a sudden I realized, ooh, I'm a bad person. You know what, that didn't feel good. I had disobeyed the law and I remember that night having trouble going to sleep next morning I woke up and I mean I'm 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 like wow I oh this is ah, ah. I remember going into my parents room waking them up and saying dad and mom I need to tell y'all something I, I, I I'm I'm a bad person I mean I, I lied to y'all and I deserve punishment for that but I recognized I didn't just deserve punishment for that from my parents. Like it was like, I've disobeyed. I, God said I shouldn't have. And my dad told me that day, he said, Sam, I think you're gonna understand for the first time today why Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And it, it's true that that morning, in fact, another one of my brothers was in the room. We have a, a fourth brother that I haven't even talked about today, but one was in the room earlier, not the one that had the baby in. But he actually came downstairs when we were having the conversation and together with us, we, we received the gift of the forgiveness of God that he offered through the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do what was happening on the cross Romans says this way that Jesus died on the cross for our sin verse 26 of chapter 3 so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ the theme of justice could not go away right Horatius Bonner a man who wrote a ton of hymns in the 1800s. He was Scottish, and so I'm gonna read this with a Scottish accent. No, I really wish I could. Ah! He talks, and before I read actually his specific quote here, he talks of law and love all the time. 
One cannot give way to the other. Both must stand, else the pillars of the universe will be shaken. Law and love, they must stand. That's a different quote. And then, thank you guys, y'all are helping me jump around with my PowerPoint here. Shall the judge give way to the father or the father give way to the judge? Both love and law have triumphed. Triumphed through the cross of Christ as he's teaching. Never has there been love like this, love of God, so large, so lofty, so intense, so self-sacrificing, yet never has the law been so pure, so broad, so glorious, so inexorable. On the cross, the law that was against the sinner has come to be now because your and I sin has been paid for it has come now to be on the sinner's side. If I were to summarize, if I were to make this message into one sentence through the cross of Christ, on the cross, the law that was against the sinner has come to be on the sinner's side. You and I, right, we know the love of God is for us. Do you know now because of the cross of Christ, the law of God is also now for us? How can that be? Back to Tim Keller in his book, Forgiven, quote from there. The law, once our enemy, which demanded our punishment, now becomes our friend, demanding our acceptance. How so? The law has become perfectly fulfilled in our substitute. The, the penalty was paid. Our substitute is so now it would be unjust for God to turn on us for God to punish us for any sin would be to exact two payments for the same debt since Jesus has already paid it. Now, Jesus stands before the Father, in a sense, demanding not mercy, but justice for us. We have both his law and his love for us. We could not be more secure. Isn't that beautiful? This is what has happened for us on the cross. The one who loves us has come and taken the punishment that we deserve in our place and offered us full forgiveness. Another place in Romans chapter six, it says now because of the cross, we are no longer under the law, we are under grace. And the law now, because of the law of double jeopardy, we can't be punished again for this sin. Jesus has done it for us. And Jesus has now given us his righteousness. We stand before God in the righteousness of Christ. So what? What does this mean for our lives? Well, the first, receive forgiveness. If you've never received forgiveness, never for you understood what Jesus has done, the way we've articulated the gospel in our church of the last few years, we, we, we let our walk through the book of Mark kind of define the gospel for us as we were walking through Mark, pulling in other places in the New Testament. There is a real kingdom and a real king, right? His name is Jesus. Actually, hanging here was the sign king of the Jews, right? There was a, there is a, his name is Jesus. He's the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one in the Old Testament while the law was being extended, a promise for one to come, the Son of God. In his love and by his grace, 
He came, he lived a perfect life, obeying the law fully, died in our place, rose again, and is coming back. What do we do? We get to, this is what we get to do. We get to now, empowered by the Holy Spirit in response to the gift at the cross. We get to repent, believe, follow him, be part of his kingdom now and forever. Have you received that gift? Afterwards, if you wanna have a conversation, we'll point you to where you can have the conversation with him. But the main thing that I want you to see today is not just to receive forgiveness. I wanna invite you to, and I'm gonna use the words from a title of a man who used to pastor in our church, Jeff Warren, titled a book this, Live Forgiven. Live Forgiven. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by live forgiven? There are two different ways to approach the law now for you and I. We can approach things like prayer and fasting, for example. Oh man, I know I should do this. I guess I've got to do this. Or realize, no, I don't, I don't got to do this. I don't, I don't, Jesus has already done all I've got to do. And God loves me enough that he's given me his guidance and his outline to, to show me what's best for me. I get to do this. I, I, I get to spend time with him. I get to be in his presence of the one who loves me. The, the beauty of what is it like to, to, to move from the got to do to the get to do when we understand that we've been forgiven. Or maybe, maybe it's not just something you feel like you should do, but something you know you shouldn't do. Man, oh, I know I shouldn't look at a person lustfully or I, I shouldn't, I, I know I shouldn't uh, covet uh, that car. I know I shouldn't, I know I sh- uh, uh, And you get stuck in this, oh, I'm a bad, I bet, I bet now God is, uh, he's, up, he, he's upset with me and he wants to punish me. Like Christians sometimes live forgetting what Jesus has done for us. You've been forgiven. He's not disappointed in you. He loves you. The law is now for you. You stand in the righteousness of Christ before God. Your sin has been paid for. And you get to approach this God, all of it now, fighting for you. Isn't that a beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful truth? Here's Paul talking about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ controls us. He talks uh, next few verses about not, us now not living for ourselves, but for, for God, for him, Jesus, the one who's given his life for us. Is that the law that's controlling us, uh, compels us in one of your translations? No, it's the love that God is, that, that motivates us to want to obey the law. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, he says. What does that mean, new creation? The old has gone, the sin has been paid for, the new has come. And he talks about we now have a ministry of reconciliation, getting to share this good news with the world. He talks about that. And then he says, well, what is that ministry? He said, verse 21, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin, substitution, made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the beauty of the gospel. Are you living in it? Hey, one of the ways we live in it is extending forgiveness to others. Not because we got to do it to get into heaven. No, he's already forgiven you for your unforgiveness. But because we get to do it motivated by his love. 
the book Forgiven has been impacting me and it talks so much more about this theme that we wanted to make it available today. Our home center is right out those doors. If you'd like to go pick one up, we're covering some of the costs there. That book came out a year ago, but it's speaking into my life about forgiveness. If you don't know the forgiveness that God has offered you or if you're struggling with forgiving someone else, I would invite you to, to go by and pick up one of those books after the service. And for all of us to live forgiven. Ryan and Sarah and Bryson starting the church up there and uh, I, because it's blessed me so much, wanted to just send them a note this, this weekend because I, uh, when I'm part of helping lead church or whatever, feel always un- underqualified, inadequate, and then I start moving this <laughs> over here thinking, oh man, I need to do something in order to earn God's favor. <laughs> And so Jeff, who wrote the book, Live Forgiven, texts me often and reminds me, no, you're fully loved, fully complete in Christ. And so here's a a text that I had written to Ryan and Sarah thinking about their church today. And I wanna read these words because I want you to hear them for you. There's nothing you can ever do to change how much God loves you. He's loved you fully and completely in Christ. You can't change that. His favor is full and complete through Jesus. Your decisions, and then I list some of the to-do lists that pastors have, yours are different. Your hospital visits, your worship leadership, your counseling sessions, your children's ministry help, your sermons, your work on vision, all of that, it will be led by him, but it will not earn his favor. Jesus has already earned it for you. Do y'all know that? He's already earned it for you. Are you living forgiven? Pray with me and we're gonna sing about it. God, I pray in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that we would live looking at the cross, that our lives would be directed by what you've already done, not trying to do again or earn something that you through Jesus have fully and completely settled on our behalf. So Father, I pray for this next month and a half as we approach Easter, God, I pray that our eyes would be on Jesus and all that you have done for us and that we could live in response. Let's sing about it. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we wanna invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's gonna preach the Bible and exalt Jesus. Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.